Welcome to Let It Grow Investing, the financial investing and small business podcast that is not run by a professional investor. I am Jeff, and thank you for stopping by. We're going to cover all the news you need to know to make sense of the market, helping you get invested, stay the course, and on your way to financial freedom. Hey, what's going on, everyone? And welcome back to the podcast. And uh, thank you, as always, for being here. And uh, we've got a fun one today. But uh, first up, it actually is my anniversary. So we went out, we did the brunch thing. We had a great time, but a uh, big happy anniversary to my wife. And, uh, you know, cheers to many more. So we've got uh, a lot going on out there in the world that we really need to talk about. And definitely some things that I think could turn this market around. So we've got a lot of uh, a lot of news, a lot of uncertainty that was out there, and I think a little bit of it is coming to an end. And uh, that's definitely going to help us as we uh, turn the page into October. Uh, September is historically a rough month for stock investing, right? That just normally kind of sells off. We normally have a lull in the economy. There's there's a lot of different things going on. Uh, so we're through that month, right? We uh, definitely have reached some oversold uh, conditions. We had the VIX kind of spike up. We had interest rates spike up. We had what other problems? We had the government shutting down. We had um, energy going through the roof, right? This was not an easy month. And uh, and like I said, historically a bad time. Uh, so there's definitely things that are out there that are... Uh, you know, getting a little bit more under control. Well, one, September's over. I just said that, but bears repeating. Uh, September's over. Uh, hopefully, energy is going to kind of stabilize. We're, we're maybe seeing some of that. Hopefully, the Fed is getting it that, uh, you know, things are getting painful out there for people. The rates are getting out of control. Uh, bond yields had spiked. Uh, Treasury yields, a 10-year had spiked. And now that's kind of stabilizing. And it's actually retreating a little bit. We had four down weeks in the stock market. So we got into oversold territories on a lot of stocks. If you look at the RSI, you can see where we fall on those different metrics. I'll, uh, I'll try to pull that up here in a little bit. I don't actually have that pulled up. But um, yeah, so a lot of different pressures that have been really difficult for us to manage. And uh, as I kind of had said before, you know, we've got um, you know, the stock market kind of falling off. People that were in some of these bonds uh, uh, and the treasuries are potentially going to start seeing these come back down. Uh, you know, last week when I said it a little bit early, right? But uh, overall, the thesis is there that for the next 12 to 18, 24 months, these rates are going to be coming down. So eventually, people are going to be getting out of those and looking for, you know, yield elsewhere. So we're definitely in that, uh, those crosshairs of what is going on. Um, as I said before, you know, Bank of America is saying the rest of the year is going to be great. We got other people saying that it's going to fall off a cliff. And uh, it's kind of been this kangaroo market. Not good, not bad, but just kind of bouncing back and forth, trying to find some footing. Uh, the S&P did find a little bit of footing, right? We're north of that 4,200 level, which has been kind of a critical point for some support, right? If we go through that, I think the next level of support is down around 3,900 which is a pretty substantial sell-off, right? And we really haven't seen that kind of pressure. So now that I'm seeing, uh, you know, the government extending the uh, uh, funding for the next 45 days, do I think that they're going to get it figured out in that 45 days? Not necessarily, but uh, that kind of kicks the can down the road a little bit further 
to know if we're going to be able to survive through October into November and uh, really where we go from there. Hopefully they can get it figured out. But uh, I think for now, it eases some of the pain of the government is now shut down. We got to put everything on hold. Uh, we still got people to pay. We're, we're going to have to pay people more when they come back because they're going to have to work overtime. Uh, the uh, the budget is going to be getting reset. I think it's the end of the fiscal year for the government. Uh, so a lot of different things that are going to be easing right now. So I'm expecting, uh, don't quote me on this, I'm expecting stocks to start rising uh, as soon as this week, right? Uh, I think that we're probably going to start turning the corner on a lot of these problems. And we're really going to start seeing an uptrend from some of this bearishness, uh, overall sell-off. Yes, we had a bit of a correction and a market kind of upcycle. We definitely saw that, right? I, I saw that in names like um, NVIDIA, right? We, we hit above 500 and then we somehow got down to 407 and everyone still thought it was um, you know, at a uh, price where it was just still too expensive. I still, you know, I'm on the side that it is actually undervalued at that 405, 407. And I think it rose about $30 this week since the last time uh, we spoke though of this past Sunday uh, when I actually was looking at it then. So definitely some things out there that I think are going to be easing. Uh, definitely some trends that I think we can play. Uh, I don't know that all of the problems are solved. I, I don't think they are, in fact. But I do believe that there's some things out there that do make sense. Now, I do want to cover uh, week 40 here on the investing challenge. Um, and that one we were talking about last week, right? I just uh, kind of gave you one of them. One of those names was NVIDIA, right? NVDA. The peg ratio was really cheap. It was sitting at 8.4. Their historical was like a 2.2, cheaper than the S&P, which is right around that two number as well. The growth is off the charts on revenue. AI is massive. Um, you know, one of the arguments I saw online was the fact that people say that, uh, you know, everyone's going to be making these chips. Uh, go with the, the company that can't uh, be duplicated, right? Um, this one, you know, other people are going to be making other chips, right? We know AMD is going to try. We know Intel is going to try. Uh, Tesla might be trying to do something like that. I'm not sure what the plans are there. But, um, you know, there's going to be more competition. So, is that going to be long lasting? I, I don't have that answer, but I know that NVIDIA always finds another way uh, to make more money and uh, be in the right spot at the right time. They just have like a magnet for it that they just keep finding the right thing. Uh, so I have a, a feeling that this is going to be a, a strong company for years to come and that they're going to continue to grow. Not everyone agrees with that. I know a lot of people think it's, too, it's still too expensive. But uh, I have a feeling that it is going to do well for you know the foreseeable future, especially with the revenue growth uh, 100% this year or 24, 200% by the end of 25. Just uh, just insane kind of numbers. But um, you know that one was not uh, the vote that we had for this week. Number two was going to be Palantir. They uh, are right in that AI race. Also, they are you know. In the, the government crosshairs of you know all the spending that's going on over there, they just got a $250 million contract from the Army uh, to provide them with AI, uh, artificial intelligence for them. There's a lot of different things that I think um, Palantir is going to be great at. The fact that they're going to lead to uh, a profitable year, uh, I believe it's four quarters of profitability, and they're going to be eligible to be brought into the S&P 500. I think that could be a, a big thing for, for them, obviously which would be another catalyst to have it move higher. 
plus again, they're in the right space at the right time. So I think that could be a great company. Um, and we did not end up voting for that one either. Uh, so then number three was going to be American Express AXP. We voted for this one in 22 at this time uh, for week 40. And I thought, you know, maybe I'll give this one a shot. Let's see if you guys want a dollar cost average into American Express. Uh, credit card spending is still very high as we've got a strong consumer and uh, not as much cash in the system. So more and more people are, uh, are swiping those cards. So I thought American Express could be a good option. The PE for the trailing 12 months is at a 15, I believe. On the forward, it's lower than that. Uh, quarterly dividend, 1.6%. And uh, yet again, we did not vote for American Express. Uh, so um, number four was actually going to be Pfizer. They had some declining revenue, but we kind of know why. A lot of those COVID vaccines weren't getting used. So we had a decrease in that revenue for the year. Uh, but I believe we're going to be seeing a bounce back here. We've got uh, a pipeline of drugs that uh, should be doing over a billion dollars uh, per year in revenue. We've also got uh, about five years left on a multi-patents uh, that would be expiring for a lot of the drugs that they have on the market right now. Those are set to expire in 2028 and 29. So we've got a nice runway here. And I believe that some of these new drugs coming to market are going to be a uh, big, big game changers for them. Uh, so we are sitting at $33 on Pfizer. The trailing 12 month PE is at eight and a half, super low. The quarterly dividend is now above 5%. So we also have uh, possibly some of those uh, yield investors coming back to uh, some names that are in the healthcare. It's a fairly safe name, right? You're getting 5% on yield. You've got some decent growth. And uh, what's the upside on Pfizer? Upside on Pfizer currently, um, let's see where we're at. We've got uh, about 36%, man. That's a, that's a nice pickup, 36% in the upside, uh, you know, going up about $12 from where we're at. We've got that 5% dividend. You're over 40% of possible upside, according to uh, 13 analysts on uh, tip ranks. So uh, I thought that could be a good pickup, right? Uh, but ultimately, Everyone wanted to take a risk this week and go with number five, which was American Battery Technology. They were ABML. They uh, recently changed their uh, their ticker. They got uplisted into the NASDAQ from the OTC exchange. You don't have to pay the commissions. Now, when you buy the NASDAQ uh, index, you're buying a little bit of American Battery Technology. So you get out of the fees. And uh, anytime those big funds go ahead and buy uh, the NASDAQ, you are putting a little bit of that money into American battery technology. So um, ultimately, we are going to be buying, I'm going to be buying $200 worth of American battery technology. Um, as I'm uh, starting demolition on the uh, the rental house that I've got uh, that we're working on, I'll be doing that tomorrow. So I got my reminder set for noon. I will go ahead and purchase this one uh, right around lunchtime. Uh, so that's what I've got going on over there. Uh, the rental house, speaking of that, we've got uh, multiple quotes. We're going to be doing a bunch of uh, demo in the basement. We're going to be doing uh, some new drywall uh, paint. You know, we're, we're getting all new flooring, new appliances. We looked at some granite today. I think that's probably the route we're going to go. Um, you know, electrical is going to be getting done this week. We got windows coming in three, four weeks. I'm spending a lot of money, uh, a whole lot of money on this thing. And uh, right now it's just costing me money. But uh, hopefully in uh, a few short months, this thing will be generating some cash flow. 
Um, so that's what I got there. That is an ongoing process and, uh, you know, a lot of phone calls and a lot of follow up with a lot of different people. So I'm just trying to keep all that straight. Um, but, uh, so yeah, I will be adding, uh, American battery technologies, another $200 worth without those commissions. Uh, and this one, I mean, I believe that, uh, we've got a lot of run runway on this one going forward. Uh, we don't have any, uh, price, uh, rankings from tip ranks. We're sitting at $8.62. It's been a very volatile week out there. Man, this one went from, ah, man, let's take a look. Um, let me see the, uh, maybe like the five day chart that should get us a better answer as to what kind of range we saw this week. We went down to about $8 and 12 cents and as high as, uh, I think we went above this. It's saying around uh, 990 or so, but I think we got above 10 for a while there. Um, so I'm uh, I'm definitely curious to see where this one goes. We're in the uh, lithium production and recycling business, which uh, I definitely like to building out more uh, more and more facilities and uh, mining operations to get uh, more lithium to market and also be able to refine, recycle, and uh, get more material out uh, on that way as well. So I'm curious to see where this company goes. I've been in it for quite some time. And uh, happy that we got uplisted, happy that we're able to go ahead and now purchase it without those uh, about $5 commission charges every time you go ahead and buy uh, ABML. That's what it was, but now we don't have that. So that's great. Uh, so that's what I've got there. And uh, I guess we can roll right into uh, week 41, right? We've got uh, we got plenty of time here. So uh, week 41. Um, well, first up, I want to say that I did look at a lot of different stocks. If you could go ahead share the podcast, subscribe, and uh, make sure you don't miss any future episodes here for me. I would definitely appreciate that. Uh, so I was looking at a lot of different names, right? Um, I try to really take a look at all the different names that are out there for us and uh, really get a mixture of what's going to make sense from here. Uh, I looked at uh, DocuSign. I looked at 3M. Um, I looked at uh, a lot of different names, right? DocuSign, for a lot of different reasons, I think it is uh, undervalued. The growth isn't quite there, though. It's uh, single digits over the next year. And I think in the teens, by the end of 25, I didn't get super excited about that. Uh, so that one is out. Uh, 3M, that revenue growth is negative. They've got uh, some lawsuits that I believe are getting finalized. But uh, the growth was not there. I, I did not like the growth that uh, 3M had. It was low single digits. And um, it just didn't really, you know, strike my fancy right now. Uh, so that one, even though it's got that six and a half percent dividend, uh, I do believe that it is a little bit oversold. Uh, for me right now, it's just got to be a no. Uh, man, I, I don't know where this one is going. I don't know if it's following GE or really what they've got there. I know GE is a, a you know, kind of a battleground stock, hate it or love it. Uh, I know a lot of people used to buy it kind of blindly because it just would uh, grow, split, and repeat. But um, yeah, so I did not go with either of those, right? So the first one that I did go ahead and pick for this week was going to be Deer. Uh, the ticker is DE. And, um, you know, this one I, I actually haven't done so much searching on as far as right now. I, I've been following this one. We've got this one in the portfolio. So it's not that I don't look at it. I, I own some Deer products. Uh, but... Um, as far as the growth here, uh, the, the PE, the trailing 12 month is sitting at 11, right? We've got uh, 
about a 1.4% dividend yield. We've got a company that is going to be in the agriculture space. Uh, I think as far as agriculture, I think we're still going to grow. As rates come down, I think we're going to build. And um, I think they're going to be in the right spot at that point. Uh, so when I'm looking at Reuters here, uh, it is currently rated a buy. Uh, that's the first thing I see. We've got around 16% of upside on Deer. I think it's going to be a stable player and uh, maybe a little bit uh, uh, of, of growth that we're going to be predictable, right? We got about 17% of revenue growth by the end of 2024. We've got uh, dividend growth about 12.9%. Dividend payout super, super low at 15%. We've got um, the forward PE, right? This is a big number. Uh, well, by big, I mean it's an important number. It's actually a small number in comparison to where it normally trades at, which is a 16.8. The forward PE right now is being valued at an 11.9. So that is a 30% discount compared to their five-year average. So I still think that, uh, you know, the farming, the agriculture side of what, what we're doing out there in the world and getting more uh, quality, you know, crops to uh, people is going to be very, very important. And I don't know that that business is going to slow down. Farmers are going to need uh, the, uh, the equipment that they, they need to, in order to produce, uh, you know, food and vegetables, everything else. Uh, and, uh, the construction side of the business as well, I believe is going to start picking back up within the next, uh, you know, like I said, 12 to 24 months when these rates really start coming down. Uh, I think that's at the point where we're going to start to see this, uh, start to pick back up as well. So the, uh, peg ratio, uh, I normally tell you that if it's an under a one, uh, you're in a good spot that you're, you know, probably at the low end of where this thing is going to trade. And uh, their their five-year average is a 1.3, which also helps. They're trading at a 0.8, the S&P 500 as a 1.7. So I think we've got a, a good value there. We've got some growth on the revenue. We've got a company that wants to pay higher in dividends. I think the fact that uh, they're in that agriculture and construction space kind of splits them between um, a couple different industries there, right? They're not really tied solely to building. They're not tied simply to uh, agriculture, but they're they're a mix of all different things of heavy equipment and um, a little bit of consumer as well, right? They definitely got a consumer arm to their business. Price to sales is sitting at a two, five-year average is a 2.2. So a little bit of sales uh, on that uh, metric as well. So that's going to be number one. And uh, again, for a lot of those reasons I just mentioned, right? Uh, so that is uh, the first one here. Number two, this one kind of uh, kind of snuck up on me. Uh, that name is going to be SoFi. Now, SoFi, man, this this has been a, a roller coaster of a fintech. I think for all of us that have been in this one, right? Looking at the one-year chart, we hit a low of $4.24 and a high of $11.70 in the matter of you know seven months, really. Uh, so definitely one that is uh, going to be more volatile. We're going to have more uh, more beta in this name. It's going to have more uh, uh, you know fluctuations, ones that uh, might not be able to, if you don't like growth stocks or you don't like variable stocks, this is going to be one that you might not sleep as well at night. But uh, I think now with October being here, the fact that uh, student loans are getting reinstated, we're going to have to start paying these back. We're going to see some things out of SoFi here. I think this one is going to really start to turn around, right? Uh, so 
uh, they did start as a uh, student loan kind of lender and repayment type service. Let me go ahead and read this article from uh, Barron's.com. Uh, the company began as a lender focused on refinancing student debt, but now operates through three segments. Lending uh, for student personal home loans. We've got financial services and technology platform. The repayment halt has weighed heavily on the student lending operation. Uh, in Q2, uh, SoFi originated about $395 million in student loans. That compares with $1.19 billion recorded in the same quarter four years prior as borrowers, borrowers sought to lock in lower rates or reduce the checks they write each month by paying over a longer period. Uh, so when you don't have to pay, you're not going to refinance, right? Uh, that's what Jeffrey's analyst, John Heck, says, uh, who rates the stock at buy. Uh, and he says, as payments resume, there will be a resetting of demand, which only makes sense. Oppenheimer, uh, they came out and said that uh, they share the uh, the rates at Perform. They emphasize how important how important refinancing is to the company, citing profitability boosts and another layer of revenue growth isolation. Uh, we've got. Um, the student loan origination volume of 703 million in the third quarter is expected and 1.09 billion in the fourth quarter. So 703 and 1.1 and we're coming off of 395 in Q2. So that is definitely um you know almost a double on the Q3 and then you know significantly more two and a half times or so by uh the fourth quarter. So I'm thinking that we're going to start seeing this stock turn around. People are going to start paying attention to the fact that uh, we're actually going to have to start repaying these student loans. And uh, we're going to get some people refinancing into some product from SoFi. So that is definitely uh, good news for them. I think it's going to turn the stock around. And we're going to see that volatility kind of swing back in our favor, right? Uh, we're going to probably land somewhere in the middle when this is all said and done, but I kind of think that we're going to see a, a big jump to the upside for this one. Maybe start retesting some of those highs and see how we do there. And uh, I'm, I'm really hoping that this one can get some solid footing underneath of it by the end of the year. That's really my hope here. Uh, number three, we're going to shoot back over to uh, con consumer staples. I guess that's what I'd call them. Uh, Costco, right? C-O-S-T. They've got, uh, man, a lot of great things going for them, and they are normally priced to perfection. It is a very tough stock to know when you're getting in at a great time because it always feels a little bit overvalued. Uh, they did come out and report uh, earnings, what, last week, I believe it was, and I probably should have told you guys that last week, but uh, it did slip my mind. Um, we did have some growth there. I know a lot of it was uh, fueled by energy sales going up or energy prices going up. So gas sales were higher. Uh, we've got, uh, they're also, they're, I've seen this article quite a few times that they are selling out of small gold bars within a few hours. Um, well, good for them on selling more gold bars, right? But who's actually providing these gold bars? And are these people that are holding gold trying to dump gold on the market through means of Costco? So are we uh, expecting gold to crash or are we just finding more gold and Costco is just finding a market to sell it to? I'm not too sure really what that means. I mean, are they selling out because they have four of them and uh, they've got you know 50 buyers? Uh, I'm not too sure. I don't know all the ins and outs of how much they're selling and why they are selling out of it so quickly. But um, they're also looking to get into 
um, offering like a human, uh, like, like stumbling on my words here, they're offering healthcare options to their members as well. So that is another thing that they are just kind of still looking to um, go ahead and, and get some more value out there, throw out some more uh, ways to make some more money. They are also looking to cut the cost on gasoline even more. They want to be 30, mid 30 cents cheaper than the local stations to really drive more people to have a membership, even if they just get gas with it. It's still very profitable for them at those prices, and uh, they can still you know, go ahead and make money even at that much of a discount. So they're finding a way to do it. Uh, I still think that they are going to be a great solid company that is going to really focus on margins across the board. They're going to be you know, very dialed in. We were talking about shrink and theft. Uh, the fact that they have people at the front doors also really helps their shrink and, uh, and theft from uh, you know, just escaping out into the parking lot. So that is definitely something that is noteworthy as well. Uh, definitely, uh, the the membership fee hike is also coming. So we are watching that. Uh, we're looking at uh, the last bump was uh, to sixty dollars for basic annual membership in twenty seventeen. Uh, Richard Galanti, the uh, uh, retailer CFO, said during a quarterly earnings sales call on September twenty eighth that the question of a membership fee hike is a matter of when, not if. Uh, so they're definitely going to be raising these rates again. Uh, historically, they raise them about every five years. Uh, so we're due for an increase, even though they, uh, you know, they're probably held off a little bit through COVID. And, uh, you know, they're going to wait until 23 or 24 to get uh, those membership fees hiked again. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, a lot of the reasons that I'm looking at Costco. I think that, um, you know, with the uh, struggling economy in a lot of different ways and things just kind of creeping up in price. I think that people are going to look to find those bargains where they can. I think Costco is going to be one of those beneficiaries of all the spending and inflation problems that we've had, right? So it's still rated buy on Reuters. We've got uh, only about 4% of upside, according to them. But this thing just kind of keeps on churning higher and higher year after year. Uh, revenue for 24, forecasted growth of 4.8 for 25, about 12%. So uh, again, trending higher. Dividend growth of about 13.6%, which is awesome. Dividend payout is low at 27%. We've got, um, currently we are trading at a premium, which is a little bit tricky, right? We've got a 7% premium on forward PE. We're sitting at a 37.2. The five-year average is a 34.9. Peg ratio is also high. It's sitting at a 4.4. The five-year average is a 3.7. Um, price to sales is 1.1. Uh, the S and P 500 index averages a 2.3. However, Costco's is uh, a 0.9 on a five-year average basis. So I said that this one is normally priced fairly to perfection, right? We've got a very tight margin or very tight window as to how much swing we will see in this stock. This one is not going to be super volatile. People really watch the trends. Watch everything, what's going on with oil, with uh, consumer staples, all the different products that they sell. And it is priced very, very tightly uh, against their historical averages and where the market is going. So I am you know, willing to throw it out there to pay a little bit more for Costco, as I think more and more people are going to need this one. And uh, hopefully those membership fees and uh, lowering the gas cost. Uh, it's going to help a lot of people sign up for those memberships. So if they sign up for the membership, pay a little bit more there and, you know, only use it for gas and they're still making money there. 
uh, I still think that they're going to generate more revenue off of those. Uh, plus, they're opening more and more stores and they're adding members at a, a pretty significant clip as well. Uh, so that is number three. Number four is going to be Coca-Cola. Now, Coca-Cola is uh, definitely not an unknown small company, right? But they have had a downtrend of uh, stock price in the past uh, like eight, nine, 10 weeks, something like that. Since about the end of July, we've certainly seen this one sell off. In fact, it's come down about 12% over that time frame. Uh, so is it time to go ahead and get into this name? Um, man, I, I definitely think that it is a solid company. It's a consumer staple. Uh, and it's going to be one that's going to keep paying us more and more in that dividend. That's why Warren Buffett has it as one of his largest uh, positions, right? So uh, defensive stocks have really not just been in favor for investors this year, right? We are looking for higher growth, higher risk, uh, ways to make more money to outpace inflation, to get more of that uh, dividend in the way of uh, trying to get into the treasuries or look for higher dividend yielding assets. Now, I think, like I said before, we're going to start seeing people rotate back into safe, uh, predictable stocks as yields come down across the board. Similar to what I was talking about last week, or uh, was it uh, two weeks ago with uh, with O, with Realty Income. Uh, so again, uh, I think that we're going to start uh, seeing people kind of shift over the next you know year or so back into some names that really make sense. And uh, Coca-Cola is going to continue to be one of the largest uh, beverage companies in the world. I think it is the largest. Uh, Pepsi is probably right around the same size, but um, they've got a lot more in the way of snack goods as well. So $241.3 billion of a market cap for Coca-Cola, ticker KO, not C-O-K-E, not any of the other bottling companies that they own. Uh, actually, and Pepsi is 233 so they are very, very close. Uh, so let me shoot back over to Coca-Cola KO. And uh, I think that this one is uh, getting to the point where it's getting uh, sold off enough to where it makes sense to start looking at this one, right? Uh, their uh, EBITDA over the past five years has been increasing. They uh, they definitely moved up nicely in 22. Uh, it's climbed about 20% from 2018 to 2022. Uh, the Free cash flow on Coca-Cola. We are looking around two dollars and nineteen cents uh, per share. You take that nine and a half billion uh, in free cash flow in twenty-two divided by the share count. It's about two dollars and nineteen cents, and they were paying about a dollar eighty-four. Uh, so we are looking at uh, you know a, what forty cents or so in the way of actual money that they are able to retain. Uh, so they're they're. Uh, payout ratio is 84%, so only 16% or the 16% that they are able to keep without uh, paying out in dividends, uh, which is on the higher side. I'm aware of that. We we want to make sure that we have a company that's able to retain a lot of that money, a lot of that growth. Uh, but this is kind of typical for companies that have been increasing uh, their dividend for as long as Coca-Cola has, right? They are a dividend king. They have been paying out uh, increasing dividends year over year for the past 60 plus years. So we are looking to get in this one to have a, a company that's going to pay us a nice starting dividend of about 3.3%, but they're also going to maintain paying us more going forward. So they just need to keep generating more free cash flow in order to uh, be able to raise that dividend uh, and kind of keep everyone happy, right? Uh, so the fact that they have sold off 
They are a dividend king. They're one of the largest uh, in the world. We've got uh, Warren Buffett's blessing on this one. Uh, I think that it is definitely a stock that is really worth considering here. And uh, I kind of want to look at some of the numbers that uh, we generally look at here. Look at the uh, the forward PE, the peg ratios, and really see if this one makes sense. A lot of what I just said, uh, I was looking at an article from Seeking Alpha. So credit to them where credit is due. And um, let's take a look here at uh, Coca-Cola and see exactly where we're at. $55.98. We are near that bottom end of the range of where they typically trade over the past year. The low was at $54. The high was at $65. And like I said, we're sitting right at uh, 56 bucks. So we're at that lower end of the uh, the range here. Uh, we got about 20% uh, price upside from Trefis. Uh, let's take a look at what Reuters has to say here. We've got uh, firmly a buy rating. We've got about 24%, actually 25% of price target appreciation, uh, the average being $69.70. And uh, what else we got? We've got uh, revenue growth of about 4.6% for 23 and about 10.1% by the end of 24. So not a growth stock, right? We know that, but uh, we're buying this one for the dividend. We're buying it for the growth. We're buying it for the safety, right? This is definitely a safer company. Uh, dividend growth over the past year was 4.7%. That dividend payout ratio is 75%. And uh, where are we on some of these other metrics? Uh, forward PE, uh, it's a 15% discount, which is uh, definitely nice to see that you're getting a value on a company that is uh, this uh, stable and strong and a dividend payer, right? Forward PE is, forward PE is a 20.5. Their five-year average is a 24.1. Uh, the PEG ratio is a 3.2. The five-year average is a 4.0. So it is expensive, but people are willing to pay for that quality. Uh, it's a tried and true dividend payer for 60 plus years, and people are willing to pay more for those kind of results. Uh, so we've got uh, price to sales, which is actually pretty high as far as I'm concerned at a 5.5. The five-year average is a 6.4. So it's trading under a lot of key numbers for them. It's uh, definitely at a uh, discount to the forward price uh, earnings multiple. And I think it's one that we could be comfortable buying, holding, and knowing that we're paying a little bit more for it. But uh, it's definitely one that is going to continue to do well. And uh, I think it's got a remarkable, decent amount of upside when we're looking at 25% of upside on the share price for Coca-Cola with the 3.3% dividend. And uh, then number five, this one, um, well, you know, in the in the coaching realm, um, I'm going to go back to soccer for a second because I was talking to my son yesterday before his soccer game and uh, doing the coaching thing. I've got a bunch of different shirts that uh, I wear that are, you know, with the league. And uh, I threw on an orange one. Their jerseys are orange. And he said, oh, we match. Right. But then he looks at it. He goes, we don't match. You don't have the check on your shirt. And I said, no, I don't. But I'm not wearing Nike. You guys are. But I'm not. Right. So. Uh, that kind of led me to think, you know, even at seven years old, the brand recognition of that check on a shirt, on a pair of shoes, whatever, is already there. They already know that this is the brand that they want. This is what, you know, the pros wear. And I know it's kind of across the board on Adidas, on Nike, Under Armour, whatever. But uh, this one kind of got my uh, my look right now. So we're sitting at $95.62 on NKE, Nike. 
Uh, we've got a one and a half percent dividend yield, but some of the upside here is is just kind of remarkable to me. Trefis says we got about thirty eight percent of upside. Then I go over to Reuters. We've got uh, buy ratings. We've got around thirty six percent of upside on Nike. We definitely had a uh, an inventory problem. We definitely had a consumer problem. We had some woke politics that were mixed in there. We had a lot of different things that uh, people weren't happy with uh, with Nike there for a while. But uh, you know the consumer's still strong. We're still spending. I think we're going to keep uh, buying that athleisure wear. We were definitely in it in COVID. It, you know some of that's probably getting worn out. We're looking to buy more shoes. We're looking to buy more uh, winter, you know, sweatpants or whatever. Uh, I definitely think back to school is going to help them. I definitely think, you know, the holidays are going to help them. And the fact that a lot of those problems that we were going through are getting to the point where we they are getting to be behind us at, at this time. Uh, so we've got uh, revenue growth for 23 of about 4.3%, uh, 12.4% by the end of 25. Uh, a stock that has oversold, right? For a lot of those problems I just mentioned. We've still got a dividend growth of 11.3%. Anytime I can get double digits on a, uh, a solid company like this, I, uh, I definitely love that as a dividend investor. And that dividend payout ratio is, uh, is pretty low. It's sitting at a 42.1%. Uh, so anytime it's under 60, I'm pretty comfortable with that. Uh, the current dividend yield is only 1.5%, but they are looking to pay us more, and they are able to do that with that low dividend payout ratio. We've got 28% discount on forward PE. We're sitting at a 24.3. The five-year average is a 33.9. Uh, so that is definitely nice to see. We've got uh, the forward peg ratio sitting at a 1.6. The five-year average is a 2.4. Uh, price to sales. Um, you know, sitting at a 2.2, the five-year average is a 3.3. So any which way you look at it, uh, the numbers make sense. The growth, it could be better. Uh, you know, the, the 12% by the end of 25, uh, man, I, I'm, I'm not so over the moon with that, but, uh, it is a very mature company. They do have a, a lot of, uh, sales that are already in there, right? Uh, I don't know how much more we can expect as far as growth goes for a company of these sizes, you know, for Coca-Cola, for Nike, for a lot of these tried and true companies that have been around for a long time. And uh, I'm comfortable buying it. I definitely think that it's oversold. I think that the, you know, the business is going to come back. And uh, we're definitely seeing a lot of analysts pointing to that as well. It's trading at a discount. And uh, I'm willing to buy this one if you guys are willing to vote on it. So again, uh, for week 41 of the Let It Grow Investing Challenge, we've got uh, John Deere, which is uh, DE or Deere and Company, as I guess they're formerly known as, uh, formerly known as uh, SoFi Technologies, S-O-F-I. Number three is Costco, C-O-S-T. Number four is Coca-Cola, K-O. And number five is Nike. Uh, and the ticker there is N-K-E. So please get over there to Let It Grow Investing podcast page on Facebook. The link is in the description and get your vote in. If you are not currently a member, get over there, uh, click join the group, answer the questions. And uh, if you qualify, I will get you let in and uh, get your vote in, right? I definitely want to see what you guys have to say. If you have some stocks that you are questioning as to whether or not we should be looking at them, please go ahead and share them either in the uh, the show notes uh, on this uh, podcast, or feel free to uh, message me on the Facebook group for Let It Grow Investing. And I will definitely take those into consideration going forward. 
Now, uh, before we go, I did want to take a quick look at crypto. I did see this one kind of rolling back up. And uh, I just want to see where we're at right now. We, oh man, we actually moved up higher since I looked. We've got uh, Bitcoin uh, sitting at 27,309. Uh, where were we over the past week or so? Uh, over the past week, we hit a low of 26,065. So we moved up uh, about 1,300, something like that over uh, the course of the week. So that is definitely nice, about 2.27% uh, higher over the past month, about 5.5% higher. Uh, past three months has been a little bit rough. We're still down 13.5% over the past three months. Uh, Ethereum, uh, currently sitting at 1695. And uh, where are we on the week for Ethereum? We've moved up about 5.7% on Ethereum over the week. And uh, let's look at the three month there. We're still down 15%. I still think we're going to get some some upside here as uh, some of these different, uh, if we get these ETFs, these spot ETFs approved, I'm really curious to see what happens with those. But uh, that being said, uh, I'm glad that uh, you know September is behind us. I'm glad we've got uh, hopefully brighter, you know, investing skies in front of us and we can start making up some of this ground of the, the stocks that got sold off over the past uh, month or month and a half even. Uh, so with that being said, thank you guys for stopping by. Please make sure to like, subscribe and share and I will catch you in the next one. Take care. Thank you for stopping by here on Let It Grow Investing. Please make sure to like, subscribe, and share to build a community of like-minded investors. If you do have questions for me or for the group, you can find us over there on Let It Grow Investing podcast on Facebook. This is not professional financial advice. I am not a professional financial advisor. Please make sure to do all your own research before investing in any security. I do have links in the description to help get you started on E-Trade, Webull, Crypto.com, and Binance. And a friendly reminder that a goal without a plan is just a dream. So go ahead and build your plan, uh, design your portfolio, and stick to it. Thanks for stopping by. I will catch you guys in the next one.